Jurassic World, obviously not in the top five, of course, but definitely too high. No question. <laughs> yeah, I've actually I, seen more movies than I thought. I only I had did the my same, top six, but... Yeah, I had the same thought when I was looking through. I was like, man, I saw a lot of movies this year. Well, I kept yeah. on telling you to go see things. You did. I And I'm not Greg, you know, I'm not, I can't be out here watching 60 movies every year. I'm at 96 right now. Damn. I'm at From, this year? From this year? From this year. Yeah. Like, that came out in 2022. Yeah. How is that even possible? I don't even, there's no way 96 movies have come out. A lot more. Number five of the year. I'm going to start it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Give me. Um, But I I like the enthusiasm. Um, Thanks. All right. Hi, everyone. This is Greg Gottfried. I'm joined by Matt DeLuge, Jesse Pasternak, Jake Richards, Ben Wittenstein. It's uh, five guys discussing movies um, because we can find a girl to join. We have have a few, but we're, you know, we're changing it up. So Michigan. Yeah. I don't know any girls. You never get to hear just guys talking on a podcast. So we figured we'd try it out. Especially guys guys talking about movies. Guys talking about movies. And so we're going to jump into the year first before we do our top fives, because that's what a good podcast does. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts about the year in movies? Just literally anything. I know it's as vague a question as possible. I liked them. I thought they were good. Yeah, so only like five on here I didn't like. Yeah, I'm going through my list as we speak, and uh, they're all pretty good, honestly. For a year that came, like, after COVID, when I'm sure there's a lot of backups and movie releases, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, there's still, for me, there's still a couple that I haven't seen that are probably going to make it better. But to this point, at least early half of the year, I was very disappointed with the movie selection. Um, but I think that there's some some good ones coming out now, and I I think that there's one that you guys probably all have on your top five that's nowhere near my top five. So I think I know um, what movie that is. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Me too. Well, I didn't see it, so it's yeah, outside of my top five. Yes, I thought it was a good year. Uh, a lot of great stuff. I always believe that every year is a good year for movies if you know where to look. There was a lot of great blockbusters, a lot of great art stuff. And I'm excited to hear what uh, you guys thought and what your top fives are. That's that's a good enough wrap-up for me, but I, I agree. I thought it was a good year. I I mean, I went to a lot of movies this year and, you know, in the theaters and I don't know, I fucking loved it. That's, that's, that's how it is. Um, before we get to the best, do you guys have a worst movie of the year or a movie you just didn't like at all? You want to shout out? Don't worry, darling. <laughs> Awful wow. movie. Why was Wasn't that movie? great? Was not that's great. Terrible. What is this guy, Twitter? Oh, it was horrible. That's I like have two both. movies below that one, but have- it was, it was my third worst. I have quite a few under it, actually. I, thought oh, I, got, I actually got one worse, too, but go ahead, Jake. Give us your worst, Jake. Uh, the Whale was my worst. We saw I really did not care for that movie. I'm not a Darren Aronofsky guy. Um, and Brendan Fraser was very good in it, but I thought a lot of it was just kind of like, uh, just like gratuitous, like, eating and like, uh, 
it was just like wallowing in its own self pity for a lot of the movie. It's just like sad for the sake of being sad. And then it's like, oh, humans are amazing. It's like, what about who's amazing here? Everyone's terrible. That was a movie that it came out here like right before Christmas. And my mom was like, oh, we should see that one for Christmas. You know, Brendan Fraser and he's an Oscar guy. And I was like, you're not going to enjoy that one. None of us. I I love Brendan Fraser, which really speaks to how much I didn't like that movie. Yeah. I mean, that was like the same thing that there were a bunch of movies this year that were like supposed to be like big contenders or just like, you know, crowd pleasing movies like that was one. And like Blonde was the other where there's like good actors involved and like it's well made. And it was just like it made me feel like shit in like in like the worst way and like not a like interesting make you feel like shit way, but just like a this isn't fun. It's not entertaining. It's not. It doesn't really have anything to say, even though it thinks it does. Uh, Jesse, what about you? Uh, I, uh, in terms of, you know, I've, as someone who, you know, works in the, there's this great story, uh, about, uh, John Krasinski and Paul Thomas Anderson, where John Krasinski, uh, was, uh, talking to me, he said, I saw this terrible movie and he named the movie, he said how horrible it was. And Paul Thomas Anderson put his arm around him and said, we're all part of the same team. We're all involved in trying to make good movies. Don't ever talk, don't talk about a movie like that if you're in the industry. And he's like, okay. So as someone who works in the entertainment industry, he, I am uh, respectfully declining to say which ones uh, I did not enjoy. Fair. That's fair. Anything that you thought would be better? Anything that you wanted to be great that wasn't? Uh, yeah, great question. So there was one, uh, there's this movie called After Sun, and I'm sure it's great, but I had a very big day that day. I was running around a lot, and I uh, unfortunately fell asleep. And it's a really, really good movie, but you have to be very awake and on top of it. And I'm saying this as a guy who, like, in college fell asleep in some of the greatest movies ever made, like a lot of Fellini films, a lot of really classic, great cinema that I later went back and enjoyed. So After Sun is very good, but it wasn't quite what I was expecting, and I I need to see it again fully awake to really get it. That's fair. It's very slow. I saw it. I really liked it, but it is methodical. You really got to be paying attention. I'm glad to hear that you say that, Jesse, because... I've tended to fall asleep in a lot of movies recently, and I feel bad about it, but <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't. I was going to ask, Jesse, are you like a, are you normally a movie sleeper? Uh, not really, but in college, I was uh, just sort of, you know, like finding my own schedule at around the same time I was taking a class on Federico Fellini, and he's one of my very favorite directors. I loved his movies, but I fell asleep a lot. So that was like my big movie sleeping period. I will say though, there's a, a Tarkovsky movie called Andre Rublev that is like three hours long and I fell asleep. And I actually think that improved my movie ex- watching experience because I slept through a lot of the boring parts. Yeah. <laughs> but I had seen just enough of the beginning to get the payoffs that come from the scenes I'd seen later. And when I woke up, there was this great battle scene. I was like, okay, I'm back. That's like one of the few movies I've ever fallen asleep. Like most of the movie in, in theaters was Fast Five. Oh, I haven't seen I that. Was just, just out for like ninety percent of the movie. I think I woke up as they were like carrying spoiler alert, as they were carrying the safe, like out of like they were driving it out of Brazil, I think, or something. Oh, great scene. Uh um, really through that scene, little though. Brazilian town. Oh, yeah. fantastic. I just, That's I was, cinema. I think I played basketball that I was just zoned out and I just passed. That's out. cinema. I don't know if that's cinema. Oh, it's great cinema. Matt, you woke up during it. See, it woke you up. That's how good it was. I don't think that's, I don't think I woke up because it was amazing cinema. I think I woke up because it was loud as hell. And I think we were in like a Dolby theater. (laughs) So that'll do it. Yeah. It's fair. My turn. Yeah, please. Round it out. Okay. So, uh, yeah, my worst movie of the year is probably one that other than Jake, none of you guys have seen except Greg. If you've seen 96 movies, maybe this is falling across your screen. 
uh, spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds was absolutely the most atrocious movie of the year. And I like Will Ferrell, but I hate Ryan Reynolds. And there was just way too much musical. Uh, and if I didn't have a wife, I wouldn't have watched it. And my God, was it bad? Did I think we watched it after Thanksgiving. I definitely fell asleep. Did you finish uh, that it? night? Um, I mean, it, and I woke up at the credits of it, but yeah, that's all I needed. I, I didn't really need to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> I, I actually know. talked Erica out of that one. She wanted to watch it, and we ended up watching, uh, Home Alone, I think, instead. Good choice. I was honestly disappointed because not that I expected a lot out of Ryan Reynolds. At this point, the world seems to love him enough that he's just able to do whatever he wants and you know exactly what you're getting every time. And it just doesn't vibe with me. But I had higher expectations for it with Will Ferrell. And I think think Will Ferrell's on the other side of the hill too, unfortunately. He should just stick to his his late show appearances and, and call it quits so are you a are you a late show watcher we'll get our movies for a second are you a are you watching late night shows every night no no but i I go on youtube every now and again and you know the it used to pop up more um but you know now like if there's a good if there's a good celebrity guest that will usually pop up on my screen and honestly will ferrell's got some good stuff on late night but uh no I, i don't waste my time with that either Good, good. Um, I think we're ready for top five then. I feel like we've we've done what we could. Um, I randomized it for no real reason. And we're going to go Jesse, then Ben, then Matt, then me, and then Jake. So, Jesse, number five. Start us Great. off. Great. Uh, so to start things off, number five is uh, The Banshees of Inishirin, uh, the Martin McDonough movie. Uh, I just thought it was amazing. I'm a huge Martin McDonough fan. Uh, and it's very, I, I read tons of his plays and like, I very, pretty much just love him writing things about messed up people doing messed up stuff in Ireland. And this fit the bill to a T. It was just awesome. Uh, do you want me to keep going, Greg, or should I just go on to number four? Or do you want to know more about the movie? No, just fine. We'll, we'll get back to you on four, but I mean, I, I agree. I, I had it at six, like it's right out of my top five. Um, yeah. I, I think it's like hysterical and then like bleak as hell for the last, uh, I mean, last half of the movie. I know Jake. Yes. Yeah. Do you, the other two of you see it? I did. I saw it. Uh, that was the last movie I wanted to fit in before this podcast. So I won't give you my ranking on it because it's in my ranking, but, okay. um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Jake, it is in your top five or not? No, I, Erica hated it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I thought it was fine. Uh, I, it was very funny. Um, I, like, I thought they were a little bit putting the very obvious metaphor above, like, making the characters actually make, like, decisions that made sense. Um, like, it's just like, it was tough for me to get over the concept of, hey, I don't want you to talk to me. I don't want to be anywhere near you, but I'm still going to hang out at this bar that we used to hang out at all the time. And, like, be around you constantly, but you're not allowed to talk to me or, like, cut my fingers off. That was tough for me to get over. I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. It seems like you want to cut your fingers off at this point. Um, But it was very funny. The part where he told the guy uh, that his, like, uh, dad got hit by a milk truck or a bread truck. 
The bread was band. The funniest yeah. shit the I've band. ever seen. Yeah, yeah. The hardest I've laughed all year was that joke. It was just yeah. perfect. Oh, man. That whole scene. And he's like, he's like that's, I swear if it's the same bread truck. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I lost it. But I mean, yeah, that's, it was very funny. But yeah, I would have liked it to make a little more sense. Yeah. I mean, all the acting is great. Like, I feel like if you don't, even don't like the movie, unless you're Erica, you respect it. But yeah, yeah I thought it was good. Yeah, I'll say Jen usually for the, my wife for the most part the movies that I like she absolutely despises and she wasn't really paying attention to this one but by the time it was over she wasn't like that was the stupidest movie I've ever seen it was she at least got some of the jokes um, we'll yeah alright uh, number 5 Ben Banshees 2 honestly yeah. I, was that so your 5? All right. That's that's yeah. That's my number five. I also uh, I was looking through my list. I think I saw ten movies in theaters this year. So this is half the movies that I've seen this this year, which is great. Um, but I love Colin Farrell. First of all, he's like if I'm looking for an Irish accent, that's the number one guy who I'm looking for to do an Irish accent is Colin Farrell. Um, sure. But I, I mean, I, I don't. I think Jake, you laughed at it a lot more. Apparently, you thought it was hysterical, and I think Greg, you did too. I mean, I there I was there's parts where I laughed a lot, but I just thought it was like an extremely sad story about this dude who just like wanted to hang out with his friend who didn't want to hang out with him anymore but it was still like a very good movie with a weird amount of animals dying in it but other than that it was it was good the doggy yeah. dying was really when they lost erica that was yeah. what put her over the edge yeah Poor I, mean, the first night I saw it with molly and i thought she was gonna have a heart attack when that happened i thought she was gonna run out of the theater so <laughs> yeah she, like gasped a full-on like screech the damn finger yeah yeah all right matt five Okay, so uh, five for me was the Batman. Um, Hell yeah. I actually, so, and I will say the first like two hours and 30 minutes of this movie was probably top three. Um, I just thought it was a lot of fun. This, there's very few movies anymore that I actually can sit through and be like, I thoroughly enjoyed this whole thing. I went on a, a good ride and there wasn't really any of it that was extra. With that being said, they probably could have cut out the last 30 minutes or so. Um, but it didn't ruin it for me. And, uh, you know, I thought Paul Dano just killed it. I, I think any Batman movie where the joke or the Joker, where the villain really takes over and commands the screen, whether it's the Dark Knight or this, um, I think really makes a, you know, makes a difference, uh, with the Batman more than anything. So, you know, probably I think could have, been perfectly fine ending with them catching the Riddler at the end, but um, it was a really enjoyable movie for me, which at, to that point, if I hadn't seen very many over the last year that uh, I can say the same for. Yeah, I mean, it's... Hey, spoilers. I I saw Ben get upset about yeah, that. Yeah, I had the exact same thought when Ben threw his hands up. I, Some like, of us haven't seen, seen the Batman. Oh, you you haven't seen it either? No, I've I wanted it to. It's so long. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's such a, hard a long thing. movie for Batman. I I don't mind long movies, but Batman, you don't need three hours of Batman. You kind of get the gist of it after it's, two. It was, I, I can imagine it being long in the at home. I like just it's a long time to sit at like on your couch. I saw it in theaters and I was like gripped. Like I, I really yeah. there, there was like a half hour in there, like in the middle, where I was like, is this the best movie I've ever seen? Where it's like just it, especially in IMAX, like how loud it gets and how just like. I mean, just how fucking cool it is. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that was a movie. That, yeah. That's a good point, Greg. That is a movie you absolutely need to see in theaters to get the same experience. Like, same thing, I think, with Top Gun. Same thing with, um, 
you know, uh, uh, Dunkirk a couple of years ago. Like, it's not North the same movie at all. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, Jake, Jesse, did either of you see The Batman? I did. I saw it in theaters and I loved it. Uh, at the end, yeah, I'm still haven't got back since with the others, but at the end, I was like, okay, I just saw the best live action Batman movie like ever. Oh, yeah. Just like the way they re everything felt new and re like fresh while also being like the timeless stuff that I loved about it from when I was a kid. Just Paul Dano is amazing as the Riddler. Uh, Colin Farrell is just so funny as the Penguin. He had a great year and this is his other great comedic performance of 2022 and just really like, the gadgets were great. Robert Pattinson's amazing. I just had a great, great time with uh, yeah. Batman. Zoe Kravitz is, I mean, oh, she's perfect. Star. I mean, you don't, you don't even see Robert Pattinson for a lot of it. You see him as Batman. Like Zoe yeah. Kravitz is like the face of the movie for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and the first Batman movie in a long, like ever to not have Bruce Wayne go to a gala. So I, I like that about it. There you go. He's still young. Yeah. There's time. Um, I'm up on my number five. I think I'm the only one who's seen this, uh, is Babylon, which is, you have to see it to believe it, especially the last, like, 10 minutes are some of the most, like, insane choices I've seen in a film, but it, I just, I, I've seen so much backlash about it online, and I watched it, and I was just so excited that it existed. It's, like, kind of a mess, and I, I don't really care. Uh, it's easily one of the best-looking movies of the year. The score is probably my favorite of the year, and... I mean, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, old Hollywood. I was thinking about this, like, the way people think about, like, Marvel movies and superhero movies. That's kind of how I feel about, like, movies that show old Hollywood. <laughs> I'm just, like, totally, like, in my bag. Like, I'm 100% in. And it's, like, you're really going to have to fuck up for me to be out on it. And I watched Whiplash again recently. Like, Chazelle just, like, knows what he's doing. Uh, the guy loves to shoot jazz scenes, and I'm I'm into it. So I also think it's hysterical. Like, it has a few of the funniest scenes of the year. There's one in particular, like in the middle, that killed me. So, I, so Greg, I one thing that I am, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say concerned about, but I have on the top of my mind is like you, you said there's a lot of backlash to it, and I think it's one of those movies you just have to go in and enjoy the experience. Does the plot matter at all, or should you just sit through it and just absorb everything that's like hitting you off the screen, and that's how you should do it? It matters in like the grand scheme of things, but in terms of like the one on one character, it's very, it's a lot of archetypes. Like it's a lot of like, you know, the blonde starlet, the old Hollywood, like legend, like the young upcomer. Like it's a lot of those types of people. So I can see why people would say it's poorly written, but I feel like it's almost playing on that. And it's just like, here are all the people you know. And then here's like the Hollywood you didn't, like how gross and disgusting and how behind the scenes, like it's, it's R-rated for a reason. Like, that's that's how I put it. Especially the first 45 minutes that take place at, like, this one party, basically. Um, it really is, like, singing in the rain, but if, like, it had an NC-17 rating. <laughs> so, I, I thought I it was... you called funny. it chaotic. I think, I think chaotic. you said it was chaotic when it's we just, I would also, about It's it. a movie I would try to see in theaters, because it's loud and, like, brash and bold. Uh, I, I really loved it. I'm going to try to see it again, too, at some point in theaters i haven't seen it yet but i can't wait it looks amazing yeah and margot robbie's unbelievable like if i had if i if i mean that's ben you know ben Drax. listen my my take of her being better than meryl streep 
That looks better every single day. What's it one on one? It, it was like she's very talented. It's better than Meryl Streep. Mm, that's like, come on. Like, Luka Doncic looks better. Does he look better than Michael Jordan? Like, no, of course mm. not. See, those, I would say Margot Robbie's the Michael Jordan in this scenario. For those not wow. aware, on our old on our old college radio show, we had a draft, and one of the categories was best act best actress. Like that was it, just drafting best actress. Draft your actresses. And Ben first overall picked Margot Robbie over literally any other actress. What a pick! And he got some. I stand by it. And he yeah, I stand by it. I feel like there's something misogynistic about that. You can only get away sure. with it if you're in college. <laughs> I don't. They allowed us on the radio. I don't know that he got away with it. I'll be honest. No, <laughs> I did. Get I haven't at. heard one woman that liked that take. Yeah, I thought Nicole was going to have a conniption on air. Like I thought honestly, she was fair. Away. Yeah. Hey, she's looking greater by year with the movies that she's in and the the acting performances that she puts on. I'm glad you specified performances. Um, she's a great performer. All right, Jake, number five. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen this, uh, one, I think Greg has, um, uh, but my fifth one was, uh, Marcel the shell with shoes on. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, so I like, you know, as you guys obviously know, like that was like a big internet culture thing, like a decade ago. Um, I was very like tangentially aware of it, but like didn't watch the videos or anything. So I kind of like watched it through Erica's eyes in a way. Cause like, she was the one who was like a lot more tapped into that uh those videos um she showed me some of them like before the movie um but yeah i thought it was like you know it was fun to like kind of watch that through her eyes it was very like heartfelt and like very well written um i also thought there was a lot of really interesting uh stuff about like the good and bad side of like internet culture especially during that like very specific time where people were kind of just like learning what it's like to be like an internet celebrity and the consequences that come with that good and bad um, how like, you know, Marcel ends up, you know, spoilers, finding, uh, you know, their family, like along the way, um, but also, you know, gets like harassed and gets like doxxed and like all this stuff and just kind of like really was like an interesting snapshot of like that specific time in the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's also laugh out loud funny. Like that's right. Yes. It's on the top five. Too. It, it's so good. All the 60 minute stuff is yes. just oh, it's great. Uh, Jesse, you've seen it too? I have. I loved it. Uh, it was just so funny and sweet. Um, I went with someone who kept saying, I just want Marcel to find his family. I want him to find his family. And spoilers, when that happens, he lifted up his arms like he like his team had scored a touchdown. It was just like a beautiful, funny, just great, great, great film. Yeah, it was so much better than I thought it would be. I mean, I, I, saw, yeah. it same. I saw it early, like before it came out, like everywhere. And I was like, I had like low like everything else, like yeah. everything else. I knew you were gonna say something. Um, and I, I, I thought it'd be good and cute because I like kind of watched the YouTube videos and I saw it and I was like, that was like legitimately. There's a reason they made it. Like I feel like they could have just made like a you know a bunch of little sketches and called it a movie over like 80 minutes. But there's like a real story there, and it's like you know heartbreaking, heartwarming. Uh, Nana Connie is like the best, the grandma. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I think wait what's her reaction? emotionally jarring Isabella Rossellini. Isabella Rossellini yeah she should have like I want her nominated for best supporting actress for that oh movie. same she was amazing it was adorable yeah she just ripped my heart out I love how she and like Marcel's family were just Italian for no reason too like it wasn't <laughs> something I was expecting no well what they say she's from like the uh, 
Did they say she's from, from the, the garage? Something? From the garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah she, she has an accent because she's from the garage. <laughs> so far. She's just like Marcello, and it's like, oh yeah, his name is Marcello. All right, let's go to number four. So those are everyone's fives. Uh, we'll jump to four. Uh, Jesse, why don't you start us off again? All right, number four is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I saw that, uh, I think in the first week or so it came out, I, a buddy of mine had rented a theater and had been at the West Coast premiere the night before, and he rented a theater for his friends to see it that night. And I told, by the end of the movie, I totally understood what he was going, why he would do that. It's just a brilliant film, very, very innovative. Really, you get the sense that it could turn into anything at any second. It's so very funny and smart. And just like the way it starts off with a dumb joke, and then makes that dumb joke like uh, even better, and then like makes it heartbreaking, and then makes it like emotionally inspiring is just amazing. And uh, the credits are just great. Uh, I was like Andre Benjamin did Andre three thousand did like flute parts on the movie, and it's just like an amazing film. Stephanie Sue, who's uh, I think she won Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars for her role in this, she's so. amazing. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh's amazing. Kehue Kwan, who was short round when he was a kid, he is in it, and he's character Wayman's amazing. It's just a great, great, great movie. Yeah, Wayman think... is such a good character. Every line he has is like he's awesome. Gold. Yeah, this is on my list too. Uh, yeah, we'll get to it quickly. Um, Matt, you saw it the other day, right, on a plane or something? Uh, well, I was logging it from earlier this year. I, I saw it on a plane, and it just, I can't comment on it because I, everyone says really good things, and I just don't feel like I gave it the attention it deserves. This so. is, can I say this is how I know you have very old man takes because I have not seen a movie more this year have such a difference between people over the age of like 40 hate it, and yeah. everyone under the age of 40 loves it. Parents didn't like it at all. You obviously didn't like it very much. I had like aunts and uncles that watched it, had no idea. They were like, "This movie's really stupid." It's but everyone a, under forty I've talked to, they're like, "This is." An I awesome felt movie. I fell asleep like forty five minutes into <laughs> it too. So I again, I just I can't properly watching a movie on an airplane. That's like the worst possible viewing experience that's you could true. possibly give a movie. I've never. I don't think I've ever like watched a movie on an airplane. But like, I'm really appreciating this as a piece of art. Yeah, I mean, it makes yeah. a lot of sense because this movie feels like tiktok in a way like it feels yeah. like social media where it's just it makes i remember listening to an interview with the two directors both named the daniels and they were talking about how like their inspiration is like music videos and like youtube videos and i feel like you can see that in the movie because it's so off kilter it's it doesn't feel like a movie and how much it jumps around it like tells this beautiful story about like an immigrant family and it's also you know people have hot dogs hot dogs for fingers like it's so gonzo and weird and up in its own ass and jenny slate shows up like all these famous jamie lee curtis is like a you know villain in it uh it's i don't know how someone thinks of this as a movie and writes it and how it gets made like I, i'm not sure how you read this and like see it and that's why i loved it so much because it's just it it shouldn't have been as good as it was i feel like and, like, the fact that, you know, to build up what you're saying about the cast, the fact that, like, they have, like, great turns from, like, people who have been in the industry for, like, decades, like Jamie Lee Curtis, but yeah. also, like, scenes with Biff Whiff, who played uh, the Santa from I Think You Should Leave. Mm-hmm. The fact that he gets a great role in the movie is just great. Like, Harry Shum Jr. from Glee, he has this great 
plot line involving a raccoon named Raccoonie. Just like the way that they Daniels think is just fascinating. I just love it. I also this is kind of a prediction. At the moment, I think it's going to win Best Picture. That's kind oh, of oh, that'd be great. Uh, I love that because that'd I, be insane. It's more about everything else, not having that like love. But it feels almost like Parasite in a way, where Parasite just kind of like had this cast that went everywhere together. And people just, like, the people that love the movie really love the movie. And since it's, like, a weird system, if you have the movie at number one, it does better than a bunch of, you know, votes at number, like, three or four, I feel like. Um, I, there's plenty of time before the, we don't have to talk about the Oscars, but that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. We could uh, we could do another, how about this, we'll do another podcast after I see it. At, yeah, after maybe, you see it again. Maybe closer maybe. to the Oscars, yeah. Do a live stream of it. <laughs> I don't know if you want to see that. My live shoot experiences yeah. or it would be. It'd just be thirty minutes of you sleeping, then waking up, watching some without passing out again. We have to do it with. Well, I watch the Irishman next time. Matt's on a plane. We'll get. I just it. can't. I just can't go horizontal. Once I go horizontal, I'm done. It's over. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, ben, four. Uh, number four. Oh, uh, my number four. Very guys being dudes movie. Top Gun. Mm. Love that movie. Fantastic okay. movie. And Matt, you're 100% right. You have to see it in theaters, I think, to get the best experience. But it, it's planes going fast, and you're defeating some, like, fake Eastern European country. Never it's specify. awesome. No, never <laughs> specify. It's great. It's I, thought just... it was, I thought it was Middle Eastern. So, there you oh, go. Maybe. It doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter, you know? It's yeah. it's it's whatever you think. So, Tom Cruise goes fast. That's what you yeah, need. Just Tom like Cruise it... goes fast. I was gonna say, just like in Top Gun One, they don't say what country's the bad guy, so they're actually building on Top Gun lore being true to the first movie too. Love it. It's just I lo- I love Tom Cruise movies nowadays. They're just fun adventures. He does all of his own stunts now, and I mean he did them before, but he really goes for it now. So I I just love this movie. It was I was you know on the edge of my seat the entire time. It was just really fun, entertaining stuff, and it was I think the first movie, one of the first movies I saw back in theaters um, after COVID. So which I think a lot of people did. I think it kind of reintroduced movie theaters to people's lives. So kind of so give well. the credit for that too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause I saw the first one a few years ago in theaters. That was the first time I ever saw it. And I was like, that was fine. Like it was like a subpar. It was like a decent action movie. And this one's like legitimately good. Like it's so what? much better. It builds on it. Glenn Powell's amazing in it. Uh, Miles Teller is amazing. Jennifer Connelly is, you know, th- throwing a hundred. Uh, it's just, it's great. I, we've all seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. it's on my yeah. list. It's on yeah, list. it's on my list too. Yeah. Damn, I thought I was gonna have it. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised because I really liked it. I thought I was gonna have it higher than most people, but it didn't make yeah. my, it's top twenty for me. But I have it top I have it number 20. six. Well, that's saying a lot. <laughs> it was just outside of my. Um, I had the same problem with this one that I had with Avatar, which is stop giving me this plot nonsense and just give me what I want. Which for Avatar was uh, fish in the ocean that like alien fish, and then in this one I was like, I just want the planes. Yeah. Stop playing both sides football or whatever the shit this is. Oh, you didn't like go that back scene? in the planes. I thought that was the best scene in the movie. Yeah, it, has, it has scenes for everyone, you know. Oh, I, 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 the the two way football. I was like, who is this? Why? Who is this for? Like, there's you're not wearing shirts, oh, you know wearing jeans for. for some reason. For ben. Apparently, it's for you guys. You all loved it, but I, I, remember, I need you to get back in the play, Miles. Wish that they were still in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Again, guys being dudes, Jay. Come on. I I sincerely thought that like 
everyone forgot what football was for the first five minutes of that scene where they like never explained like I was like did did no one <laughs> check in on what was happening and they're like oh it's two way no. football and I was like oh we're just making up shit perfect uh it's great. no one here has played two way football I'm assuming. No, no one's two-way football, period. Yeah, it, it's never happened before. I'm very rarely shirtless in public anyway. If I could look like that, I'll play two-way football. That's true. Fair. That's true. It's. I mean, it, it was a fun time. It's also, it did really well. It was like one of the few movies this year that like yeah. destroyed everything. I think cur- currently it's um, number one grossing film. Yeah. Somehow Avatar is over a billion dollars already and will overtake it, but uh yeah it's got like 1.3 billion i think yeah and there's there's few movies that i usually watch in theaters where like in the middle of it or like in a cool part like i'm thinking to myself like this is some cool shit like this is awesome i'm having a good time every and the like scene. the climax the climax of that movie where they're like going up the mountain and like chase scene i was thinking that it was amazing it's so it's so like simple masculine like the planes go you know zoom and i'm just like yeah. all right i'm in, I'm in. And I'm I'm also like pretty lukewarm on action movies in general. I feel like like that's like the one genre that I have trouble getting into sometimes. And I was totally like I bought in in a second. It's great when he's looking into the in, into the window and he sees his son or his uh not his his friend's son playing piano of the song he used to play. I was like, you know, I'm in. You got me. <laughs> not I'll, I'll just say I, I've got this further up my uh, my list so I'll, I'll hold off some of the things but i'll i'll just add that i watched the original top gun i did not like it basically any movie made prior to like 1995 i'm just not in on no matter how good it is <laughs> this uh, is a jake take too there's like 30 there years are some exceptions but most old movies are bad in my opinion yeah <laughs> I disagree. Like, <laughs> I, I figured you would, Jesse. I get it. Yeah. It's a bad opinion. Oh. I recognize that, especially if it's black and white. Uh, I like so like I less than five out. black and white movies. Yeah, he hated. So I, I was, uh, I w- yeah, Schindler's List, right? So I was, uh, I, w- I was really worried though that this movie was just going to be like Top Gun from the eighties, but it genuinely surprised me and was like a very modern version of what was good about that movie. And they didn't try to overplay anything. Like, yeah, they had a very basic storyline, but that's really what they needed just to get through the film. And um, it was just a lot of fun. Like, it knew exactly what it wanted to be, and it, I think it surpassed uh, that what it, what I, what any expectations I had for it were. All right, Matt, why don't you keep talking and give us your number four? Yeah, so um, my number four, I think there's a general theme with my – films now that I'm, I'm looking at this list but number four is uh all quiet on the western front and i saw this one at home and i really wish i saw it in theaters because there was another film where um you know i really just i enjoy the the landscape my wife makes fun of me because i always talk about the cinematography of a film but uh you know i really that i really just enjoyed being like fully immersed in what was early you know 19 teens 1920s world war one which i feel like there's not a lot of film like yes there's a lot of films about world war one but there's not a lot of films that to me have really put me in a situation where i could actually somewhat appreciate what happened then and i mean that war was grueling i felt like this film did a really good job of showcasing you know the brutality um of that war 
And it was so good that I actually didn't realize until afterward that it's a German film. Um, and like, there's very minimal uh, dialogue in it. And I think that all the dialogue is dubbed over with English. I think it's all German or some of it's at least German and then it's dubbed over with English subtitles. So um, overall though, I think it was a really solid, like two and a half hours for me. I just really got immersed in it and enjoyed the, uh, the experience. Better or worse than uh, 1917 for World War One? Ooh, um, see, 1917 I saw in theater, so I think I would probably put 1917 above it. But I think that this did a better job again of just like making you not relate to but appreciate the brutality of what World War One was. Yeah, I mean, I saw it too. I, I liked it. I didn't. I wouldn't. I didn't. I don't have a top five or anything, but. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I I like nineteen seventeen a bit more because it was more of like a gimmick movie, I feel like, with the you know, the one shot. This is just, you know, not doing that. And I was like so impressed by it. But it's you know, it shows the brutality of war. If you like war movies, you'll like this movie kind of. I like that that is what it is. Okay. Yeah, I didn't right, see that back. But yeah. uh yeah, I uh sounds you you sold me on it. I love stunning vistas and brutality so i'll yeah. check it out it doesn't yeah, go great. Seen... <laughs> i've heard great stuff i haven't seen it though so i have to check it out yeah <clears throat> um i'm up i have i have nope at number four um <laughs> a movie we'll get to matt too in a second uh do you guys have it on your top five jake you do i haven't seen it jesse have you seen it i've seen it i loved it but it's not in the top five i'd probably have it like six or seven but it's a great movie I saw it. I've seen it twice in theaters now. I I still have Get Out above it, but I there's part of me that thinks it's like in a few years I'll look at it as as better than Get Out as Jordan Peele's best movie so far. It's his most expansive. I think it has some of the best performances he's he's ever gone out of anyone from Steven Yeun to Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer. Um, it has so much to say, and I think it does so in like a real blockbuster bravura way um it reminded me a lot of jaws actually like the way they shoot the alien and the way they shoot like the suspense of it all and it also just looks like unbelievable like it's probably probably the best looking movie of the year um jake i know jake loved it too because i remember tim texting me right after he saw it yeah i really liked it too um I, I, my favorite part of the movie was the sibling dynamic between Daniel Kaluuya's character and Kiki Palmer's, Kiki Palmer's character. Um, just like, it reminded me a lot of my own relationship with my sister, just like adversarial, but like on the same team, kind of. Um, uh, I, I, I'm a little surprised that you didn't like it, Matt, if you're such a big fan of cinematography. I thought the cinematography and it was unbelievable. Yeah. Matt, you what was your take? My take? I, <laughs> Do it. I thought it was so bad. <laughs> and I can't really put my <laughs> finger on why. I just think I totally missed everything that everyone liked about it. I thought it was a really like bland story. Jake, I know what you're saying about the cinematography, but the fact that it just like all took place in the same one area, it was just, I don't know. It, I, I must have missed something. I really must have. It was just. It was so I halfway through the movie, I looked at my brother and I was like, Do you want to leave? Because both of us were bored. Oh with it. Yeah. That's I don't, so funny. If if Spirited wasn't as 
atrocious as it was, looking at my letterbox, like this might have been the lowest rated movie that I put in 2022. I don't know. I just missed no, it. I that's just why you're it. here. That's why you're here. Yeah. Oh, I man. mean, it also has like, we got to talk about Gordy for a second, which is like the scariest scene of the year. Oh, yeah. Amazing. What a like, when it starts and you're just like on this old, like TV set, like this old uh, sitcom, and you're seeing just things go awry. You're like, "What movie is this?" Like, because I thought it was an alien movie. Like, I don't know what the hell's happening, and it, it really like throws you for a loop. And then it comes back, and it like kind of represents the entire movie in a way. I yeah. there's so many like little Easter eggs. Yeah, Jesse. Oh, I was gonna say uh, when I was a kid, my two favorite things in the world were uh, when I was young. Two of my favorite things in the world were Full House and that brand genre of '90s sitcom and chimpanzees. So even before they cut to the shot of the TV studio, I recognized that that was a sound of a chimp attack. I was like, mm. wait a minute, is that a chimp? And then it cuts to a shot of a bloodied chimpanzee in the t- a TV studio of a 1990s sitcom. And in that moment, I was like, okay, this movie is for me. I'm going to have a great time. And I loved it from that point on. I was just like, I'm in the right place. And just like Gordy is great and just terrifying. I've never been more tense than like, when they cut back to the flashback on the studio yeah, in that scene. And just like, I, it was very much, I was like, okay, like not so old Western movies, great performances, a chimpanzee attack set in a 1990s sitcom. Like I'm in, I'm in the right place right now. Matt, were you a full house guy? No, not really. No, maybe that's why. There maybe it is. <laughs> yeah. It could be. It out. I liked full house and I liked Nope. So I don't mean, watch full house, it. Matt. Yeah, I uh, trust me, I've seen plenty of Full House, but I didn't go to Fuller House because the whole bringing back everything from, you know, when we were kids is just not, I'm not a fan of right now. It is pretty lazy. I'll give you that. It it is lazy. Like, I at least give, nope, I give Jordan Peele credit because every movie that he has is, I want to say, every movie that he does is original, right? Like, it's his thinking. I love Get Out. I thought, us was great and you know this one just didn't hit for me but like at least it was original i think across the board aside from oh i can't say that actually two of my i was gonna say across the board all my movies are original films but two out of the five of them are not (laughs) so um i'll give him credit for that all right jake you want to do number four yeah um yeah, my number four is one that i uh was very surprised is apparently controversial um but my number four was Glass Onion. Um, I am a sucker for a murder mystery. Um, I think that my top three is like some order of magnitude better than uh, my four and five. I really struggled between uh, Glass Onion and Marcel. I think uh, Glass Onion benefited. I saw it like two days ago, whereas Marcel I saw months ago. Um, but I really liked it. I thought Daniel Craig was unbelievable in it. Um, I thought really everybody was good in it, except Edward Norton was like, all right. I think he kind of emailed it in like a smidge. Um, but I really liked the, uh, you know, the murder mystery aspect. I liked how, you know, you saw everything from Benoit's perspective and then they kind of show you everything from, you know, another perspective. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was really good. Um, I was surprised that people didn't like it. I had it uh, right outside my top five, but like you, I, I saw it a couple of days ago when it came out on Netflix, and um, I thought it was really enjoyable. I think 
after watching Daniel Craig do the last couple of James Bonds, and even though I like them, he just wasn't really into it. You could tell that I think between this and the original Knives Out uh, and like Logan Lucky and stuff, just how much he enjoys these types of characters. Um, it was a lot of fun. But I feel like the ending for me just kind of left me wanting more. I was, it was a really big build up, and it did it. Really, it kind of fell flat at the end. But with that being said, I, I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the few, like, quote-unquote series or, like, you know, running films now that, like, I'm excited for the next one. Even though I thought this one was a little bit of a step down from the first. I mean, I think the first one's kind of like a perfect movie. So I'm totally fine with, you know, Daniel Craig hamming it up with a bunch of famous actors, like, doing a murder mystery. Like, I'll keep giving more. It's one of the few where it's, like, I feel like I'm happy with it. And Ryan Johnson's a genius, so... Yeah. I watched a YouTube video that I would highly recommend. Uh, I think it was Vanity Fair, um, where he was breaking down the cinematography of the opening scene mm-hmm. um, and just how he like layers characters. So like everybody's in the shot and you kind of get their relationship to each other and how like how much thought even goes into like costume design and things like that when you're building a character in a short amount of time. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um yeah, I just thought, I, I thought, I, I agree. I thought it was a little bit worse than the original. Um, but I think that's more credit to the original than a shot at this one. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a huge fan of Ryan Johnson. I agree with you, Greg. He is a genius. Uh, I saw this in theaters and I loved it. Uh, Knives Out, uh, was a great theater picture. This is another great movie that plays like gangbusters in a theater. I feel like it would have definitely made my top five if I'd seen it one more time. Cause like, for me, part of the fun and pleasure of Ryan's movies is I have to see them multiple times to really get them. And, like, I felt this was a great movie. Uh, in terms of a plot, comparing it to Knives Out, I felt this was definitely an amplification. Mm. And a lot of sequels that are bigger than the original don't work. But this one was, like, still had all the stuff I love about the first one in terms of structure and character while, like, being big and fun and, like, a little sillier in places but uh, than the original. But I just, I loved it. I thought it was a really great time. And, uh, the actor who they reveal is uh, Benoit's spouse. I thought was just a perfect choice. Yes, I that that was so funny. Uh, Jesse, you want to do number three? Uh, yep. So uh, my number three. Uh, shout out to uh, Ben is a uh, Top Gun Maverick. I love oh. love love this movie. I saw it in IMAX the first time, uh, and it just blew me away. Uh, like a lot of you on uh, on the pod, I uh, like the first Top Gun okay. I thought it was like a good time and like, you know, had some fun moments, but I couldn't really understand some of the aerial combat stuff. And like, I just, you know, was underwhelmed by it. So it was a good time for me, but not a good movie. Whereas Top Gun Maverick is just a great movie and a great time. I understood every single complicated air combat thing that they were doing because of how well they did all the setup. Tom Cruise is amazing. I can't believe that he actually, like, took off in the fighter plane from uh, the aircraft carrier. All of, like, the story stuff is, like, locked tight locked tight, and just amazing. Humor's great. Glenn Powell is amazing as Hangman. I think that Jennifer Connelly is great as Penny Benjamin. She's so charming and fun. And just, like, the finale, like, for me, like, from when the whole movie's great. But from when they take off to go on the final mission to, like, the last seconds where it says, in memory of Tony Scott, is, like, perfect cinema. And just everything about it is just amazing. I've been on planes uh, a lot recently traveling, and, like, I just love keying up that part and just getting the emotional payoff. It's just fantastic. I feel like we've talked a lot about Top Gun, so 
you want to keep, keep moving? I mean, it's, we're going to, yeah, I'm going to say we're going to keep moving even faster because my number three is a uh, glass onion. And I think we said most about what we could say about glass onion. Um, you anything to add? Fantastic movie. I enjoyed it. Not, uh, oh. not as good as the first, obviously, but it was, uh, it was still very fun and I enjoy fun movies. So and number Jeanette three, Monet, unbelievable in that movie. It was great. Incredible. Yeah, I think I'll, I, I'll just add because I know that this film is going to be, or this podcast is going to be heard by millions around the world. So I just need to get this out there. Mm. That and Greg, you'll appreciate this. I actually enjoyed this Ryan Johnson film, this and the original Knives Out. I did not enjoy his version of Star Wars. I think that that ruined the series completely for me. Yeah. So <laughs> this is uh, these last two films have been. Uh, make make a lot more sense to me as to why people like him as a director. Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. That is the worst. It, that that might be the worst movie ever made. That <laughs> that's crazy. That's so crazy to me because like I have the same argument with my uncle all the time. <laughs> where I love the Last Jedi and I love all, I love Star Wars, and he like he like maintains the only people who like the Last Jedi are people who don't <laughs> like Star Wars. Man. And I'm like, I don't, that baffles me. And he also liked Knives Out and the second Knives Out. And I'm like, I don't understand how you like Ryan Johnson, but you don't like The Last Jedi. But how, how old is your uncle? He's like very early 40s. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say like 65 because then I was No, like, no, he's oh, like way younger guy. than my mom. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was listening to a pod, the big picture and they were talking about this interesting parallel between Glass Onion and The Last Jedi where it's like, both of them are about them, like, blowing up, like, old lore. Like, between, like, I don't want to spoil Glass Onion since, like, just came out. But there's a big scene where they destroy some, you know, artifacts of, like, great, of, like, American history. <laughs> Take what you, it's, that's, I'm basically telling you what's happening. And it's the same in The Last Jedi where it's, like, destroy, Yoda destroys, like, all of the old books or something. I, I haven't seen it in a while, to be fair. Yeah. But... Um, it's like this interesting, like blowing it up from within the blockbuster model that Ryan Johnson does, uh, which I find just like really fun. Yeah, well, it didn't work for Star Wars, so it didn't work for Star Wars. <laughs> that's that's the official take from Matt is that he's anti Star Wars. So yeah, we'll move on. Yeah, Je- Jesse and I. This is the first time we were meeting, but the rest of the guys know I have apparently some very hot takes. Uh, so. Good to know. I'm obsessed with Ryan Johnson. I like The Last Jedi a lot. So, uh, you know, but to each his own. Yeah, we could do another podcast about The Last Jedi. How about that? I'm, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, I'd be up for that. A Ten hour. Po- yeah, that's a Patreon podcast. And there has to be a winner and a loser. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, ben, that was you, right? Matt, number three? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, uh, number three was the menu. And this one I actually had to sit on for a little while uh, to really fully appreciate it. But uh, it was a really fun experience in theaters because similar to Top Gun for me, this movie knew what it was and it didn't really try to be anything else. Um, you know, the storyline, I think, toward the end, I wish was maybe a little bit more intense. I wish I was a little bit more of a, a thriller on your seat. Um, but I think, you know, Ralph Phineas is incredible as always. And uh, in a different way, I thought, you know, the cinematography and the visuals with the food um, and the culinary scenes were great. And the biggest thing for me was the fact that this movie was under two hours. There wasn't a wasted minute. Uh, pretty much every movie nowadays is like two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. And it's just there's at least 15 minutes that can be taken out. So the fact that this was under two hours and I knew I could go in and even if I didn't like it, which I did. You know, I wouldn't take up my whole day. Um, 
it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to go to. You're really speaking my language with the movie length thing, Matt. I it drives me nuts how long movies are. I I love, I love a 90 minute movie. There's nothing yeah. better for me than a 90 minute movie. I want to be There's in and out. Wrong. Don't I? You don't get my whole afternoon, like for some garbage. Like I. Was The Irishman a fine movie? Sure. Did it need to be four, a four-hour miniseries of a movie? No, it didn't. It's three and a half hours, and it's perfect. There you go. <laughs> I think, you know, especially because Greg has seen, what, 96 movies? I, I don't even want to do the math on how much time you've spent in I don't, movie don't, theaters. Please, no. well, he wants them to be long, which is so I, amazing I, to me. If I was I watching love a 96 long movie. or something, I want every, like, it better be 20 yeah, they do. Every Every movie now is like, at least two hours and 15 minutes for no reason whatsoever. And all these documentaries now are three episode hour long series. And it's like, why this could be an hour and a half and be more than done with it. Well, it's funny. Cause I feel like a lot there, there are a lot of bad two and a half hour movies, like obvious. And, and there, I feel like a lot of the bad ones are like extending their movie now. Cause it's like, you're allowed to like all movies are allowed to be two hours and 20 minutes now. But like, out of my top five, I think three of them are at least two and a half hours. Um, I just, a good, like, a movie that is long and great, I'll take for five hours. It's just, the problem is, we don't always get that. And when we get a bad long movie, there's nothing worse than that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, think, I think that's yeah. essentially my opinion, too. It's yeah. just that, yeah, because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of long movies that I loved. I, I loved, uh, whatever the most recent, uh, uh, uh the Hollywood Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, well, um, that was long. Yeah. Yeah. That was long and very good. But yeah, there's just a, a lot of long movies where I'm like, there's like 40 minutes of this. I could have cut out. See, I did not like the new avatar. And at one point the, per- that I mean, that's a three hour movie. The person next to me looked at their Apple watch and they were like, Oh, an hour. I was like, we're only an hour into this. We have two more of those left. Like I could not believe it. And Man, that, that that's the thing. That's the thing, though, about Avatar. That's like, I'll I'll say, like, scaring me from going and seeing it because, like, I don't want to. I know that I'm not going to thoroughly enjoy it. And I don't want to sit there for three hours. The Batman, I sat through for three hours, and I did not get bored at any point. Like, yes, could they maybe shorten some things? Fine, or could they have edited early? Yeah, you know, it would have been fine. But I wasn't bored through it. I think Marvel's given everyone this liberty to go like way over what's needed. Every Marvel movie, except for maybe you know Endgame and Infinity War, should be no more than two hours. Um, and I think that could kind of like reset. They they should just put a rule in where everyone should be that length and be done I, with it. I think the new Black Panther was like two hours forty minutes. It felt like yeah, Jeez. it was long, and it wow. felt it. I don't know. That's too long. Yeah. Um. That was Matt, right? That was you, the menu. It was, yeah. Great movie. Anya Taylor Joy. Love her. Um Yeah, you do. <laughs> a little too much sometimes. It's Fair. kind of concerning. <laughs> uh my number three Keith Grant. Who's great? All Defender. All Defender. Better than Margot Robbie? No oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, the way You're the real Sophie's her. choice of figuring out actresses you like here. Of blondes. <laughs> yeah. Is she blonde? Every movie, she's a different hair color. She, What's she has, her natural hair? Whatever you want her to be, you know? Every okay. hair color. She has the most distinct face out of any actor or actress, I think, working right now that's like a star. Yeah. Because well, there's we'll like... Talk, we'll talk about her soon when she plays Princess Peach, when we all have the new Mario movie on our top fives. 
Yeah, from the from cool. the one trailer where you hear her voice, she sounds really enthused to be playing yeah. Princess Peach. You know, she's big Chris Pratt heads here. We love Chris Pratt. <laughs> That's true. I, I hate what he did to Mario. I want that on the record. <laughs> oh yeah, I think we all agree with that one. There's already a voice actor for Mario. What are yeah. we doing here? You know, things are bad when Jesse, who like won't say a movie he dislikes, is like, "Nah, fuck that. Fuck Chris Pratt." <laughs> yeah, I'm That's sticking my neck out. I'm standing up for Mario. They should have kept his voice the way it is. Anti-Italian discrimination. Yeah. All like, right. Uh, you like Ben? You like Sylvia on that ep- Columbus Day episode of The Sopranos? You know. Yeah. Oh, I'll back. Listen, I will defend the Italians till the day I die. They make great food. <laughs> they do, and they, and they have a very strong mafia presence. So that is. A <laughs> yeah. Please don't kill me. Yeah. 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 You do live in Chicago, so be mindful of that. True. I love the pizza here, and the Italian folks are great. Sounds like a hostage situation. All right. Number three for me is Everything Everywhere All at Once, which, good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I hope Stephanie Hsu gets some more award recognition, and we can move on. We all we all liked it, except for Matt, who fell asleep. Um, Jake, number three. Yes. So my number three is one that uh, has not been mentioned yet, is The Northman. Um, I saw this with Greg in New York. Um, and it's just, uh, you talk about guys being dudes, just guys killing dudes, just the most <laughs> ma- hyper-masculine, like, bare bones. I mean, it, like, it's, you know, I, I don't want to spoil it, but it's like the most basic action movie plot physically possible, yeah. but I don't care. I just want to see uh, a Swedish man throw spears at other Swedish men. That's all I want. And that's exactly what I got. It has the perfect ending of a movie yeah. that it's just an unbelievable ending the moment i found out i like realized where it was going in terms of how the movie was going to wrap up i was like this is the most excited i've ever been about an ending it's oh, so, it's so funny because we were seeing that together and they're just like leading to this ending and you're like are they gonna do it are they gonna do what they're saying they're gonna do and then they it's just it's so like it's the perfect ending to such like a masculine like guys fighting each other you know ripping each other's guts out movie uh and then it just ends and you're like they did it you know they made the the perfect war movie uh exactly. and it looks amazing i mean robert eggers love him yes and it has uh one of the best like crowd cheer scenes i've ever heard in my life in a movie theater yeah just our theater erupted at one specific scene oh great movie Love that movie. And one thing I like to add is it's a very masculine film, you know, but there's also like Nicole Kidman is in it and she gives this one fantastic monologue about being a woman in that time. That's just fantastic. I love Anya Taylor-Joy in that movie too. I think she's great in everything, but Nicole Kidman just has this one scene where she just explodes all these like toxic masculine ideas that are like coursing and inadvertently throughout the movie and the way that she just blows them all up is just fantastic. I mean, it's she's the best so Kimmin, good. Best Kidman performance in a while. And- oh, yeah. That's the other thing. The movie, like, kind of, you, you like, you know the story. It's the story of Hamlet. Like, it's not, you know, going, you know. Spoiler. Jeez. Going out there. I didn't pay attention in English class, so I don't. Perfect. Well, really then you're story. good. <laughs> it's a very, you know, guy getting revenge story. But then it's also this really interesting, you know, juxtaposition on, like, the other side of the story you don't see. And I feel like Jesse mentioned that well. Um, yeah, I, I would say uh, this is another one where I... I did see it, so you did not spoil that for me. Um, I saw it on an airplane, and I really wish I'd seen it in a theater because uh, I think just the visuals behind it were 
probably pretty epic. That some something gets lost in translation with that eight-inch screen that you have. You got to stop watching new movies on airplanes. Yes, you do. Them. You got to. You got to watch. It was out like, of the theaters. What what choice do I have? It was out of the theater. So it's the that's a perfect time to watch Marvel movies. Is on a plane. That's true. Or sleep. Yeah, that's true. So whatever the case is, I actually um, thought that the story was kind of going in a different direction in terms of like him actually exacting his revenge and saving everyone but uh it didn't happen that way and that was kind of fun so i forget what i put in letterbox for my review but i think um it was, it was visually it was a lot of fun to watch and uh, i think it kind of added like a very slight storyline tweak that i wasn't expecting to it all right we'll keep going jake that was your number three right that was my number three yes all right jesse two uh my number two is rrr uh have you guys seen that movie or I've seen it. I've heard I've very, heard very it. good things. Jake would, you would love it. Like, I, I know I would. I need to watch it, but that's another one where it's like, you're like, it's three hours long. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be an afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Go you got to set aside some time for it. It is a three hour Indian action epic that is probably the best action movie I've ever seen. At the very least, the best action movie since Fury, Mad Max Fury Road. It is about two be- uh, people who become, uh, best friends in India when it's still run by the British and they have to team up to try to rescue a little girl who's been kidnapped. And it is like the most amazing, intense, fun, just like the best crowd pleaser I've ever seen. I saw it at the Chinese theater in IMAX sold out show a crowd of 900 people who all laughed and cheered and clapped and just got on the same wavelength and danced. And it's just like, there's an amazing dance sequence in it. The actors are great. Uh, it's the type of movie I was talking to somebody about this. I forget how it came up, but we basically agreed that it's the type of movie where like every 15 minutes, something awesome happens. That's the most awesome thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And then another 15 minutes hap- goes by and something else like that's even more awesome has happened. So you forget about all these great sequences, but it's just like the choreography that they do to pull off these action sequences is insane. The story is phenomenal. The actors are amazing. It's really like one of the best movies I've seen. And if my favorite director had not directed a movie this year, RRR would have been number one for me. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of big budget movies and sometimes they just look like shit. And this one, like all of the money is on the screen. It looks yeah. unbelievable. And just every scene is like bigger than the one before it. Like, I don't know how they did it, but it just keeps on growing and growing. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, I really enjoy it. it. I've seen I it three times. It in You've seen it three? You said? I've seen it three times now. It's amazing. I wish I saw it in theaters. I I saw it at home on Netflix, and that's the thing. It's it's available on Netflix, so it's like it's watchable for anyone. Yeah, uh, the Netflix. It's a Telugu language film. That's a particular type of language in India. The one on Netflix is the Hindi version, yeah. uh, but the main two main leads dub their dialogue in Hindi, so it's a pretty good dub from what I've heard. All right, Ben. Uh, the menu is mine, number two. And so I don't have too much to add, but I will say the buildup of suspense um, was incredible in that movie. They did a, he did a really good job of building up towards the final scene, which is it's I, that's like the main part that I enjoy of really good thrillers is when you know something's coming, you know something's kind of off, but they don't really show it to you at first. You know it's gonna come gonna come towards the end, but you don't know when it's gonna come, and kind of that just feeling of like anxiety throughout the movie. I really enjoy that with the thriller. So they did a really good job with that in uh, the menu. Cause the whole movie, you're kind of sitting there like something's off, something's wrong. Something's going to happen, but I don't know when it is. And I don't know what it is. All right, Matt. 
We have number two now. Number two. Okay. Uh, well, my number two is Top Gun Maverick, so it's another one where let's go. We, we've really taken everything, and um, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, hey, yeah, was I your uh, was your of... favorite part when the planes went fast? No, my favorite part was when they were playing two way football. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I thought, yeah, the defense of it. <laughs> so At the same I don't know. Time. I, I just it was a good. Uh, it was, like I said, it was a good summer blockbuster that just it knew what it was and it didn't try to be anything else. And up until that point, I a lot of the movies that I've been seeing and stuff that have been trying to be something that it wasn't or trying to be more than what it was. So um, I had really low expectations going into it, and it totally exceeded those. And uh, I think for that, it was just like a really solid classic film. But I probably I probably don't need to see it again. So with that being said, I, I probably don't need to see it again. All right, that's fine. You saw yeah. it, you liked it. That's that. It gave me a good experience in 2022. That's what you're looking for in movies, right? All you want. Uh, I'll jump up for a movie that may be like the exact opposite of Top Gun Maverick, which my number two is Tar. Oh, uh, which could be my number one if my number one wasn't like one of my favorite movies of the last five or so years. Um. Tar is on. Have Jesse, you've seen it? I have. I loved it. Yeah. No one else, I think, right? Uh, no, because we're all normal people and it's not actually <laughs> out in theaters yet. Really fair. It's in theaters Greg, now. Greg saw this movie in like March. <laughs> it was like, I haven't even heard of it at that point. I, I live in Indianapolis. Like, if that was in theaters here at all, it was for like two days. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a movie uh, from Todd Field in which Kate Blanchett plays uh, orchestra conductor slash composer. She's it's the best performance of the year. Like I don't even think it's that much. It's like even a question. I don't even know what would be number two. Maybe Michelle Yeoh, um, and everything everywhere. She's unreal in it. It's this slow, methodical movie that simultaneously is like as gripping as anything else I've seen this year. Uh, it looks unbelievable. There's a long one sequence, like once, like one shot sequence in the first third of the movie. Where you're like, oh, this is what the movie's gonna be. This is how it's gonna go. It's so well planned out and choreographed and like just put together. And then it just keeps building the suspense and building the suspense. And then it crescendos in this like beautiful, terrifying way. Um, I've seen it like claimed like that it's like a cancel culture movie and it is that, I guess, in a way or like a Me Too movie, but it's so much more than that. It's really like it's the most 21st century movie I think we've had. It like really understands what's happening right now. It it understands the internet in a way that I feel like a lot of movies don't don't get at all. And I mean, it really just comes back to like Blanchett being unreal. Like n- the movie doesn't work without her at all. The first like thirty minutes are basically an interview with her character. Uh, Jesse, you. I thought it. I thought it was incredible. And I one thing to point out about that uh, scene where she's being interviewed for thirty minutes. Uh, that guy who's interviewing her is New Yorker critic Adam Gopnik playing himself. Yep. So this movie very much knows what it is and just like, it's very intelligent. It's very nuanced. Kate Blanchett is amazing in it. She's just so like, gives this incredible ferocious performance. Just like the way it talks about like class is really smart and interesting, but like the way that they only reveal that it's about that, like later on in the film, I thought was really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Kate, there's a scene where Kate Blanchett performs a song on accordion. That's like one of my favorite scenes in a movie this year. Yeah. And just like very smart, there's one named uh, Noemi. Sorry if I get her name wrong. Merlant, uh, yeah. who was in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, she is gr- is in this movie and she's great in it. 
And just like, not to spoil it for you guys, but like the last scene and what, what, what Lydia Tarr ends up doing is just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I also saw it in like the perfect situation where it's like such a Lincoln Center type of movie, like literally the yeah. first sequence. I don't know if it's at Lincoln Center, but it just, you know, Upper West Side. It James. Be. Yeah, very yeah. well could be, uh, seeing the movie. And I saw it at Lincoln Center on the Upper West Side and the crowd was just, it was like, it was like, uh, people <laughs> reacting to like Avengers Endgame or something. It was like the same people just being like, that's us. We understand those jokes. We love, like they made like, the beginning of the movie, there's like a bad Trump joke that's like purposefully bad. And the crowd like makes this like groan laugh and our crowd made the exact same sound. And I was like, I'm just seeing it with people who are in the movie. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I really, I want to see it. I have, I've only seen it once. I need to see it again. It's, it's one of my recent favorites. Well, it's, it's definitely one for me that's on my list. I think whenever it does come out, I'll see it in, th- do you, should you see it in theaters or can you see it at home too? I think it should be seen in theater. It's one of those movies where okay. I feel like you'd get distracted at home. Okay. Okay. So that's good. So yeah, I think that's, uh, whatever it does come out in theaters, I'm definitely going to go and see it. But I, I've heard from what you guys have been saying and, you know, Greg, what you said earlier, it's getting really good reviews. So, uh, okay. it looks like it's a lot of fun. It's definitely going to be in like the awards races. Like I, I, I'd be kind of surprised if Blanchett didn't win another Oscar. I think this will be our third. You know? Uh, yeah, you're right. Cause she won for the Aviator and she won for Blue Jasmine. So this will be her third if she wins. Crazy, she won for Carol. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, or or Thor. That was uh, <laughs> or Thor. She, I mean, that movie's great. Ragnarok's my but, favorite Marvel movie. It so. is. It is a good film. Yeah. Uh, Jake, is that her in Doctor Strange, the bald lady? No, that's Tilda. Mm, Tilda Swinton. That's Tilda Swinton. Yeah, I get them confused. Same with. Uh, uh, Jennifer Garner and Julia Roberts. I get them confused too. Well, it's yeah. funny. I think I'm racist against white ladies. Kate <laughs> Blanchett and Tilda Swinton are both voices in the new Pinocchio. That's going to throw me off. But Kate Blanchett literally voices a monkey. So I think it'd be okay. Okay. That's, I'll try to remember that. Great. I, I enjoy the new Pinocchio. I can't it's wait. The to Del Toro? See. Yeah. Not, yeah. The, not the Zemeckis one. You didn't see Tom Hanks? <laughs> I like Shape so of Water a lot more than most people, so I think I like Del Toro movies mo- more than most people. I mean, Pan's Labyrinth bangs. That's One of the awesome. best movies ever Perfect you've ever movie. made, yeah. Such a good movie. Alright, Jake, you have a number two? Yes. Um, it's not a Guillermo Del Toro movie. Uh, it's Nope, um, which I loved. Um, I just like everything they introduced, I thought it had like a really good payoff for like, you know, they introduce like the Wishing Well camera that has a payoff, like they introduce like, you know, all the stuff with like Gordo's ranch and like that all like everything just like tied together really neatly, which I liked. Um, there's like a ton of really cool stuff with the way they did the cinematography where like it was like I mean, you could definitely say it was up its own ass with all like with how self-referential it was, where there's like you know, there's like these plushes of the aliens that look like the cameras from the Gordy Gordo's house incident. Yeah. Like, there's, like, so much stuff like that that's really cool. Um, and then I just thought the cinematography was, like, insane. Um, the scene where he's, like, the thing, the whole scene where it's raining um, and Daniel Kaluuya is coming back and they're, like, trapped in the house. Mm-hmm. The, the whole cinematography of that scene is so good. Um, my personal favorite part of maybe the whole movie is when the shot where the 
monster is like over the house and you see the rain coming down and then the rain breaks and then there's like blood rain in the middle. Oh my God. Just the coolest shit. It's also funny. Like that's the other thing. Like, yes. It's so funny. There, oh, it's I'm the fine. best sibling dynamic I've seen on screen. When they start high fiving, when he brings, yeah, they're like, oh, I told you he would have like a non electric camera. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, just to give you an idea of how much, how excited I was about this movie, um, the moment I walked out of it, I started, uh, looking up how much it would cost to buy an electric motorcycle. Uh, cause I just was so badly, I was like, that thing was so fucking cool. The way he was just like, I mean, I know, the, I know that guy's, and you don't, you don't need a lot positive, but you don't need a lot to push you to buy a motorcycle. No, it's just apparently all it took was a TMZ guy. There's no way it would go well for you to be on a motorcycle. No, I'm very stupid. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> all right. We're at number one. Uh, Jesse. All right. So my number one, uh, I'm not expecting any, uh, is a movie that I loved very much is The Fablemans. I'm a very big Steven Spielberg fan. Uh, I've been reading biographies of him for years. I got into movies, but because I was reading a lot, read a lot of biographies about him as a kid. So like anytime something happened to him that I'd read about when I was like 10, I was like, just probably being like, oh yeah, there's that thing. Oh yeah, there's that thing. Like, there's a scene at the end with uh, John David Lynch playing John Ford that I like knew word for word because I read about it so much as a kid. So to see that on screen was great. But even if you're not a Spielberg fan, it's really, really good. Cinematography is amazing. It's a very simple story, but Spielberg just shoots the hell out of it. Just like from a technical and like craft and like blocking perspective, it's like a marvel. It's just really beautifully shot. Very serious and intense, but also really funny. There are like certain lines that got huge laughs uh, in my theater, and just like the writing is great. Tony Kushner is an amazing writer, and he wrote it with Spielberg. And really, just like it's a beautiful tribute to filmmaking, but also a really nuanced look at like growing up and like finding your voice. Yeah, I mean, I really liked it. I know Michelle Williams and Paul Dano and even Judd Hirsch are all kind of in like the awards conversation, and people are like really giving their performances. You know, they're just you know awards or whatever. But Chloe East is like so funny in this movie yeah uh, plays monica his like was a christian girlfriend you know christian guys sorry he, she his christian girlfriend who loves jewish guys and keeps comparing him to jesus yeah it's she's so good in this movie like i, I don't think i've ever seen her before so yeah. funny. she like really gets the tone of it all because she's also like good at playing serious um yeah i i she's i i, I mean it's a great movie i think she's like unreal in it um did any anyone else see it yet no i just put it on my list the other day though because uh someone i follow on twitter was like uh tweeting about it and what from what they were saying it sounded very fun i think they did a bad job marketing it too because i feel like they well, marketed- I had no idea it existed until this random person was tweeting about it but they also they kind of made it like this like see this guy you know become the filmmaker you love and it is that in a way but it's also much like more strange and weird and like takes these like weird diversions and seth rogan plays a big part like i don't know it's a lot more fun and interesting than i feel like it lets on yeah i've been been really it's on my list too it it just came out you know locally in chicago and i think um i've been really confused by what it is i I think the mark like you said great the marketing seems way off because it's made there my understanding of it was it was a steven spielberg biopic and the initial reviews came back not so great, but then there's people that love it. And, you know, it has hints of Steven Spielberg's life, but it isn't 
fully about him, which I so I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I just think I got to go in with an open mind, and not really anticipate what I'm and watching. It's a high school comedy too, at times. Like it's it's a bit of everything. Really, and it's yeah, the, the way the trailer movie. was in the movie, it made it look like it was like a kid growing up, weird like Disney type of movie. I think they, the trailer kind of screwed it up for me. Yeah, it's very, it's much more fun than people give it credit for. And it's the only Spielberg movie so far with uh, James Urbaniak, who's a great comic actor who I love, who's great in review and uh, difficult people. So it's really a fun, very uh, entertaining movie. That's all I really, uh, dark and serious too. Yeah. Ben? Uh, my number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once, which we said a lot about it. Just a fun, awesome movie. Great scenes. Loved it. Um, and I will use the rest of my time for two honorable mentions. Hustle. Love, okay. love that movie. Great that movie. A stupid basketball movie. And Bob's Burgers movie, which I was surprised with how fun and stupid that was. It was great. I, it, I want to talk about Bob's Burgers for a second because people were so mad about it. They were like mad at the movie. They're like, oh, it's just like a long Bob's Burgers episode. And it's like, you know what fucking rules Bob's Burgers? It, like, is that not yeah. what they wanted? I don't I mean, know what you're you expecting. Want something else? It's not big enough for a movie. It's like, shut up. Like, Teddy's, you know, making his own food cart. Like, that's what they we want. They almost die. Yeah. What, is that, that doesn't happen in every episode. It's true. They did almost die. Spoilers. But Matt hated Boz Burgers, right? <laughs> I uh, probably only watched, like, two episodes of it. I, I was just, I never really got into it. I'll take it. Did you see He's Hustle? Like, yeah. not a cartoon guy. Is that right? <sighs> Yeah, no, not really, I guess. I don't know. Like, Family Guy and Bob's Burgers and South Park, like, none of that really hits for me. Um, you like Spider-Verse? I did, like, Into the Spider-Verse, but I think that was that was a little different. That was, like, very nuanced. So, makes sense. Yeah. Um, hey, Family Guy's nuanced. I haven't heard of Hustle. I might have to add that to my list. Oh, you Hustle's would like great. Hustle. You Hustle's, would like yeah. Hustle. Hustle's a lot of fun if you like basketball. Well, Adam Sandler is very good. Depends on who you ask. Some people say I don't like basketball. Well, you like basketball enough for this movie. Anthony Edwards is like a real villain in this movie. Oh, he's so good in it. I was pretty surprised, uh, impressed with uh, the main guy whose name I'm blanking on. Um, Adam Sandler? No, not Adam Sandler, the the basketball player. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I thought he was like shocking. I mean, Adam Sandler was great. Of course he was. Oh, yeah. Juancho Hernan Gomez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the like GM guy was like fine. He was kind of. I thought he was kind of the like GM son guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ben Foster. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was. He was kind of the only one where I was like, this guy seems like he's doing a worse job than everybody else here. But, um, you know, I thought everybody else was really good. Um, I loved Adam Sandler in it. Uh, he's such. He's such an interesting acting career. Sandler being a good actor is so fun. Like it's just it's so, so fun. wild. He's, he's so like, good in some stuff. Even what you think about Uncut Gems, like if you don't love Uncut Gems, he's great in it. Like he's, oh, he's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I mean, I also liked Uncut Gems. Uh, that was is, is Hustle. Is Hustle gonna be like up there in terms of best basketball movies? Ever, oh, I would I say so. Okay, I would say it's one of the best basketball movies I've seen, just in terms of like the pure quality of it. Um, I mean, you could say it's like not as much of a basketball movie, just because there's more stuff going on that's not like purely basketball but uh i thought it was really good it's real basketball scenes like it's like actually well shot yeah jesse yeah i was just saying i agree with you very well shot but i was also watching it just when i was getting really into basketball in a way that i hadn't gotten into it for years 
So like when scenes where they're like, yeah, we're trying to find like the next freak. I like, okay, Giannis, I get what they're talking about. So it was like, <laughs> if you know about basketball, it's a really fun movie. Good job, Ben. Well done. There we go. This is a podcast guy. You know, he knows what he's doing. It's true. He, he got another topic. Talks about one movie. He's gonna he's gonna do some others. He's gonna do some honorable. <laughs> Just gotta throw some Bob's Burgers out there, and it's yeah. it's great. Uh, Matt, number one. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna, I guess, do what Ben did because uh, he's a <laughs> podcast uh, expert. So, but my number one is a movie that we've already talked about, and that's the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, and I think wow. part of it is kind of Jake, similar to what you were. Saying I saw it the other night, and that was like the last movie I needed to fit in before uh, we had this podcast. And I needed to give it like a day to really sink in, but I, I went back to it and I was like, you know, I really actually enjoyed that film. And there's a lot of undertones. My brother watched it with me and he, and he really pushed for what was the meaning behind this film. So there's a lot of undertones for the Irish Civil War um, that were pretty interesting. And uh, again, I'll go back to the visuals of it. And uh, my wife and I went to, um, it's so weird to say my wife, we, we got married in October and it's still weird. Um, got a boring we visit. In a good way, in a good way. So we went to Ireland though in the spring and just had a blast. And the fact that this was filmed there and um, uh, specifically on, you know, Inishmore, which is, we didn't go to, but apparently it's just like a beautiful place to be. Uh, you know, that really added, just to the, the experience of this film. Um, I, I still, though, can't really get fully behind the fact that a guy's willing to just cut off his fingers and then not do anything to him and let a dog lick the wounds. And I, I mean, he's got to get an infection or die from uh, some sort of disease. That's just not going to well, last. And the whole reason he was like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore is so he can play music. And then he's like, I'm going to chop off all my music playing hand fingers it's yeah. like well you're I, a I fucking get, idiot i get then. if like in theory you're like if you don't stop talking to me i'm gonna cut off my fingers like okay fine but then he actually goes and does it and i'm like what's so i i, I kind of took it as like a folk tale like a fairy tale type thing where it's like it's like almost aesop's fable of just like the irish civil war in a way yeah yeah it definitely was way represented it of something else but in uh in literal terms yeah yeah that didn't make any sense yeah, Martin McDonough, actually, it's funny you should say that uh, about the folktale, because he actually got his start uh, writing, like, 150 folktales before he started writing plays. So, like, he's definitely, that's, like, his background. But, like, if you read his stuff, like, from the 90s, like, these great Irish plays he wrote, they all have this, a lot of stuff in common with uh, Inishirin. Uh, it's very much, like, it feels like he had a checklist of, like, all the stuff that made his plays great. And he's like, okay, this character type? these themes taking place in ireland it's like everything i loved about his work from the 90s but just done really cinematically yeah i mean this movie reminded me of in bruges which is like one of my favorite movies so automatically it's great uh the guy knows how to write he also just individual scenes are so funny and interesting the way he writes like all the side characters and the carrie condon's characters like i feel like a perfect like foil to everyone else all, all the idiot men just running around cutting their fingers off yeah I mean, I, I love that movie, too. So, good job, Matt. like it. Thank you. Glad I got your approval. My number one, I'll, I'll go next, is a movie that was in the last Oscar race because it came out, like, internationally for a week, but it actually came out in the U.S. in February, and that movie's The Worst Person in the World, which I've talked a, a lot about in general and just 
in this in my newsletter and just on Twitter. And if you ever talk to me in person for like five minutes, I probably brought up this movie. Um, the way I found out about it was someone called it the Norwegian Francis Ha, and I I love Francis Ha. I love Greta Gerwig, and Renata Rhinesway is in this Joaquin Trier movie, and it's like kind of rom com, but more of like a romance. It's also just it's just. I, I don't know even know how to explain it. It's like and split up into twelve chapters. It's like all these little vignettes about a woman trying to figure out her way in Oslo, Norway, and I really love it. I mean, it's I saw it three times in theaters. I have the Criterion <laughs> collection of it. Like I have the DVD, the Blu-ray, ready to go. Uh, I it's just it's great. It makes me it's it's a sad movie at times, but it's also like really funny and hopeful. And I think it's like my favorite final shot of the year. Good movie. I just uh I just looked it up and it's two hours and one minute, so I'm I'm on board. Isn't it for that. French too? It's uh Norwegian. Norwegian. Is it in English? No, it's subtitled. Okay. It's on Hulu though. Anyone out there want you don't have to buy the criterion to watch it. You know? It's streamable. It's great. I I kept on making people go see it with me too. I was like, You have to go see this movie. You have to go see this movie. Um Yeah. I, it sounds like peer pressure. I learned about that related to alcohol yeah, usage yeah. in college. Yeah. No, yeah, in the Dare program, they're like, Norwegian "Beware movies. of drugs and beware of Greg trying to take you to like the independent cinema." Uh, those are the two. D- have you seen the movie, Jesse? No, I haven't. Uh, I start. I went to go see it at a matinee, and I really liked it. But I had like some stuff to take care of that day, work wise, so I had to leave early. All right. Uh, I really want to though. I've heard really great things. I. I mean, I. I love it. Good movie. Uh, we can move on to Jake. You're, you're, you're the last one. What are you going to do? Yeah, so, um, yeah, mine has been talked about at nauseum, but yeah, mine was everything everywhere all at once. Um, I I mean, even outside of, like, the action and everything, um, I really connected with um, the, the daughter, uh, just, like, you know, I think anybody who has, like, a fraught relationship with a parent um, could relate to it to some, to some extent. Um and just like how, you know, that whole relationship dynamic, what like, you know, is, uh, I also just think it's funny how, uh, you know, our generation, like as we're, you know, more of people who are like more closer to our age are like making movies. There's all these movies about like parents apologizing and parents hate all of them, uh, which I think is very funny. Like there, uh, was, I think it was a Disney movie and Kanto was like another one where it's like, yeah, a parent being like, "Oh, I fucked up all of your lives. I apologize." And it's like, I think it's like a weird catharsis for a lot of people our age. Um, and I just think it's funny that everybody over the age of like forty hates all of them. It's a real therapy movie. Boy, is it? Yeah, I honestly, I prefer it over therapy. <laughs> That's the tagline. Yeah, <laughs> probably cheaper. Uh, too, yeah, my mom therapy. did not care for it, which does not shock me. Yeah. I mean, my parents hate, like, time travel. Like, they walked out of Groundhog's Day. That's my favorite parent story. So they, they hated Groundhog's Day so much that they just walked out. Anytime <laughs> there's, like, different universes, it's it's impossible. So it's not going to happen. But I don't, I don't think they would enjoy it. They'd both fall asleep during it, probably, honestly. They just um, thought, like, the projector was broken. It just kept showing the same thing in the movie. Yeah, they, we saw this over and over. Yeah. <laughs> they're, so they, they're not going to like the next phase of Marvel films, then. That's... They didn't like the original phase of Marvel. I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, also, whenever I see James Hong in anything, I get so excited. Oh, the best. Whenever I see him, I'm like, oh, shit, James Hong. And then Balls of Fury. 
Oh, he's that's, everything. that's my go-to James Hong movie. An underrated, an underrated movie. I remember someone Terry saying Cruz, I think, is in that one. Uh, who's in that one? Terry Crews, I think, is in Balls of Fury. Yes. I love uh, how on the set of Everything Ever All at Once, and he was on, like, either his first day or his last day of shooting, James Hong was like, hey, does anyone want, like, signed photos of me? And everybody went, yes! And he gave out, like, dozens of signed uh, photos. <laughs> so, I would absolutely take a signed photo of James Hong in a millisecond. I'm looking at James Hong. Two. Sorry, Jesse? I was going to say I'd take two fo- signed photos of James Hong. Honestly, fair. Just, like, take as many as you can, use them as wallpaper. Oh, yeah. James Hong has more than 650 film and television credits. What a, a a man of the industry. A king. Give him an Oscar. Just give him give him something. Give him several, honestly. He got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame uh, recently. Very well deserved. Hell How yeah. old do you think James Hong is? 605. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it on Google right now, so I can't uh, comment. Jesse, do you know? 86. No, but I know he's been working since the 50s. Uh, this is all his time know. itself. He's 93 years old. Whoa. That honestly makes sense. All right. We did the same. We did everyone's top five. Any, any honorable mentions? I, Ben, you know, Ben is the podcast guy. He, he did his honorable mentions already. But anyone else have anything they want to throw in? Oh, gotta bring up Barbarian, uh, oh, a yeah. motion picture classic. Uh, I really liked a lot of things about Barbarian. Um, I thought it was incredibly funny. One of the funniest horror movies I've ever seen. Justin Long is unbelievable. Uh, also fucking disgusting at certain parts. Oh, I'm so happy you saw it. Uh, I'm very, I'm very conflicted on that movie. Yeah, that's fair. I think that it's, it's not like you don't go home and tell, you don't, you're, that's not a movie you feel good about recommending to everyone you know. <laughs> and yet I watched it like 1 p.m. on a Friday, just got off work and was like, time to go see some really gross shit on a recommendation. <laughs> Elvis? Now that's a bad movie. Tom <laughs> Hanks is bad. I liked it every, aside from Tom Hanks. I thought it was better than most biopics, but I'm real Aside down. from Tom Hanks? He didn't like Tom Hanks? I didn't like Tom Hanks. Uh, his accent and character were so annoying. <laughs> He's just an odd, lonely child reaching for eternity. <laughs> there you go. I, 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 yeah, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I have one thing to say about all this. I saw it with a friend of mine, and normally we go to movies that we think are going to be bad, and like uh, make fun of them, and we're joking throughout Elvis. And at one point, I turned through halfway through the movie to say something positive about it or make a joke, and he said, "I'm actually really enjoying this movie." And I just had like a great time with it. Very fun. If you know what you're in for, it's great. But like cinematography wise, it's really well done. And just Austin Butler's on another level, man. Yeah, he did do a good job. I will say that he definitely was Elvis. He did, yeah. I didn't know much about Elvis. I hadn't really like looked into him at all. So this film to me was some form of education. And then when I actually went back and watched some of real Elvis's performances, like he definitely nailed it. Probably, I didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody, and I didn't like, um, oh god, what was his name? Who played Freddie Mercury? Rami Malek. Rami. Malek. Rami. Yeah, Rami Malek. Like I didn't necessarily like Rami Malek in it, but. He also oh, nailed all of Freddie Mercury's, you know, uh, mannerisms and stuff. I think Elvis, I think, uh, Father did the same thing with Elvis. Yeah. The only movie we haven't mentioned in my top 10 is Decision to Leave, which is, uh, Park Chan Wook. 
don't know how to describe it. It's like a murder miss. It's a detective thriller rom com. I guess. Yeah, it's a pretty good way to describe it. Uh, it I love that. Sounds movie. awesome. Yeah, yeah, great cinematography. One of the most messed up yet brilliant endings you'll see all year. I also had a very big day that day. And it's one of my very favorite movies of the year, uh, Dishes and Leave, but I fell asleep for like 10 minutes. And it's a movie where you have to be very on top of it. So I was like, wait, did I miss something here? Did I miss something there? But like, there are certain shots that are just so beautiful and just like the story wise, it's just really cool and really fun. It was one of those movies where I kind of like had a free night and I was like, oh, I want to see this one. I don't really know much. Like, I like, I love The Handmaiden. I, I've like a bunch of his other movies. I'm like, I've enjoyed. I'm like, I'll go see it. And it like, kind of blew me away. Like it, it keeps on like building and building to this like ultimate crescendo. And I really like the ending too. Cause it, you know, leaves it a bit open-ended in a way. Um, yeah. It's uh, two of my favorite performances of the year too. Park Hay Il and Tang Wei. I think that's how you say the two names. Um, I, and it's, I'm trying to, how long is it? 138 minutes. That's not too bad. Oh no, not at all. Doable. Yeah. Um, Do that. Yeah, re- really, really good. Uh, Barbarian, we mentioned. Is there anything else I want to mention? Uh, Duel. Duel is the other one I wanted to mention, which I don't think anyone saw <laughs> this year. But I didn't hear good things about that movie. I love that I, movie. Did you? It's is it's that the one real... Matt Damon? No, it's Riley. Stur- it's uh, Riley Stearns directing Karen Gillian, Gillian, and Aaron Paul. It's oh, what was the one with Matt Damon? It's very Yorgos Lanthimos dark comedy, in a way. Mm. Um, I uh, go back and forth on him because I liked his first few movies. And I did the favorite was all right. I liked it, but it no, was this is too long. It's, it's not your. It's Riley Stern's directed. It oh. just feels a lot like a Yorgos movie. I see. It's the same like weird dialogue, like kind of stilted speech patterns. Um, it's about a woman who thinks she's about to die, so she gets a twin of herself. She like has a twin made and then she finds out that she's going to live and only one of the two can live. You can't have a twin when you're going to stay alive. Basically when you, you can't have a, a duplicate or a clone. Uh, it's, it's a weird sci-fi movie, but it's very funny. Yeah. That sounds wild. Yeah. It was the last duel that I think you were thinking of Jake. Oh, yes. That is what I was thinking of. That was last year. Yeah. yeah I like the last year. duel. I like that movie too. Uh, one honorable mention that I wanted to say is, uh, did any of you guys see Confess Fletch? I know. No, I, I, that was like, that's high on my list. I want to see that really bad. Yeah, I need to see it's it. It's really good. It's really good. Very funny. Very silly. John Hamm is just fantastic. And it. it's a perfect John Hamm movie. And I just, I had a great time watching it. Love John Hamm. Did you, Jesse, did you see, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale? No, but I really want, really wish I did. It's been on my list for a long time. How is it? Oh, it's a great movie. Uh, John Hamm is really good in it. I mean, everybody's really good in it, honestly. It's from the Cabin in the Woods director too, I think. Right? Yeah, Drew Goddard. Yeah, uh, I, that was a birthday movie. It's a lot on my birthday a few years ago when that came out. A film, that one. Yeah, it is a wild movie. Uh, any other shout outs? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll do. I'll do one last shout out. Not really a movie, more of a documentary. Uh, totally throwing it off base here to finish this podcast. Okay. Uh, I watched it last night. The Love Lizzo documentary on HBO was great i don't know if you guys are fans of lizzo but i love her music and then um i just love like who she is and how she's so unapologetic about the about her and what she stands for uh i actually learned a lot about how hard of a worker she is which is 
always appreciate about documentaries about musicians because you can really see the work that they put in in the studio. So um, I don't know, a lot of fun. You're an enigma, man. Yeah, I was not expecting a Lizzo documentary, but I, yeah, Erica made me watch a reality show about Lizzo that I was like actually kind of got into. No, she was on Seth Meyers like drinking thing. I saw oh, that. that was funny. Yeah, she the was day funny in that. Yeah, the day and drinking. She just was, she, she just has fun and is again like unapologetic about who she's going to be in life, and you got to respect that, especially because you know a, a woman and she talks about it. A woman like her size and gender and ethnicity like could easily be made fun of and could easily be torn down but she she stands above it all and she makes some pretty badass music on top of it that's what you get from this podcast we're over 90 minutes and you get some lizzo content at the end this is a pro lizzo podcast if you made it to lizzo content good for you you know thank you for listening this far (laughs) we started recording this around like we were supposed to be 10 ben ben came in like 10 15 and it's almost midnight now Eastern time, so I guess it's what eight forty-five. Yeah, it's not even eleven. Chicago time. It's we like, got time. Like noon. Let's keep going. Like noon out there. Yeah. Let's do two thousand twenty-one movies. Um, don't test me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll do it. I'll do it. Sure. I, I, I have my list right here. <laughs> Pull it up. No. Um. All right. I, unless we have anything else to say, I think we did it. What? What's the next one? Where? where when are we coming back next? Usually you end a podcast with when you're coming back next, right? When I come back, oh, I've there's a there's a possibility of a rom com episode coming up next year. What about the oh. Nolan cast? We still have to do the Nolan cast. Should the we Nolan do that cast when Oppenheimer been comes about out? For six months ago. I think I think we wait for Oppenheimer. I think we wait. We should live stream us going to the movies for that one. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm well, not gonna go to Chicago for Oppenheimer. Yeah, and we have to get food, Greg. Sorry, we have to get popcorn and milk duds and raisinets. Bunch of crunch sometimes. Bunch of Crunchy is great. I love Greg's Crunch. the reason why AMC CEO just asked for to forego a, a pay raise because <laughs> he doesn't get the concession food. I, That's I, true. I, I bring my own food sometimes too. I'll just bring. A oh my sandwich. god! Uh, but I always eat during the trailers, so I'm not eating during the actual movie. Insane. I want to focus on the movie. Wild. Insane. That is wild. All right. So we'll come back at some point in the future. Uh, appreciate everyone taking time out of their busy midnights to re- record this podcast. Uh, yeah, that's that's what we got. Uh, see you in the future, I guess. Bye. <laughs> there you go. Goodbye, audience. Like it's like a phone call. Yeah. All right. Uh, bye. Love you. <laughs>